Now, my next speaker here, Nate, um, this is actually the first day that I've met him, but I feel like whenever I meet a brother in Christ that I feel like I know them. And I listened to uh, you preach one day, actually like three or four times on, on Facebook. Thanks, for Paul, for posting those all the time of, at Living Waters Church. But, um, and I said, man, this guy can preach. This guy can preach. And, uh, and just back there, just to be completely transparent, he asked me, uh, you know, uh, can we have an altar call? And I said, absolutely. And I'm like, can I pray for people? Absolutely. So these altars are open here constantly. And uh, if you feel the spirits leading you to come forward, to raise your hands, to shout, to jump for joy, whatever it may be, uh, do it. Because there's no reason to hold that in. And when he's moving, he's moving. All right, here's Nate. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> That's my church. <laughs> Let's give a shout for Jesus, huh? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to take a minute. Good job, Holly. It is bright up here. It's like blaring. <laughs> so, Father, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I just thank you that hearts are being opened, Lord, and that, that they'll have eyes to see and ears to hear, that when your word comes forth, that it will pierce their hearts. Why, why period spoke, it pierced their hearts, God. And, and I just thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and it's moving. And I just ask that you just bless this message, Father, and anoint me and let every word I speak be your word, God, because Nate's words don't hold weight, but yours do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I was really kind of back and forth on what I was going to talk about. I, I, I just want to start with a little bit about who I am. Uh, my name is Nate. No. <laughs> my name is Nate. Uh, I'm from Sartell or St. Cloud. I've lived there for like, man, I think my son, 11 years now. I grew up in uh, Stacy, Minnesota. Uh, I live, my mom died. My life started off in that negative thing that you're talking about, you know? And that negative, that bad dragon, that pessimistic. And my mom died when I was like 16 months old, so it was really negative around my house. There was five kids. Um, I had a stepmom move in. She walked into a very hostile situation with a bunch of drug-addicted teenagers. And uh, we were not nice to her, and so she was not nice back. And so it was very negative. My dad um, was very angry at God. They, um, they were devoted Catholics before my mom's death, and my father, uh, or my earthly father, my dad, blamed God for my mom's death. So I, unlike Holly, I'm the opposite. I never went to church my life, in my life, and my dad told me that he was fake and he was no good, and a lot of things like that. I think I maybe went to church in the 16 years that I lived with my dad, maybe maybe one time that I remember, maybe on like Easter or something. But so that negativity really has an effect on your life, you know? And so I didn't have a good eye, and I just I wasn't able to see anything positive out of life ever. And so I had this huge void in my heart because all I heard as a kid, and our words have tremendous power. And my dad would always say, yeah, you just never had a chance, Nate. And I, I still remember that to this day because I always thought if I never had a chance, then why try? So I never tried. So I just started doing drugs around like 12 or 13. I was doing criminal activity. Uh, maybe 12 or 13, breaking into the neighbor's houses, things like that. I was just trying to fill that void in my life 
with anything that I could put in there to try to numb the pain from the trauma, from the abuse, from the loneliness, from the isolation, from the depression, from the suicidal thoughts I had in my entire life. My entire life. From one of my first memories is getting in trouble from my stepmom. Abuse happened, and I went and got a butter knife and tried to slice my wrist. I was so little that I thought a butter knife could kill me. That's one of the first memories that I have as a child that I remember. So however old that is, probably pretty little, right? I would, uh, I got, I had a kid, uh, I got a girl pregnant at like 17. I had a daughter. I was just, I started cooking meth around the same time. I was a career criminal my entire life. My entire life. I'm talking in and out of prison. I've done almost 10 years in prison. In and out of prison for drug addiction, stealing, robbing, meth cooking, dope dealing, all of it. I've done all of it, all of the above. I'm not going to stand up here and glorify it and tell stories because that's not who I am anymore, right? Because when Jesus comes into your life, you're a brand new creation, and all is gone, all of it, right? But we have to go through a process. Everybody say, I'm, I, I'm in a process. We are becoming dust to diamonds, but it becomes a process for all of us. So... I had a couple children that I, that I didn't take care of because I was too busy shooting methamphetamine into my arm. And I was in and out of prison. I did four years and seven years and two years. And I was, I was doing a lot of things, right? But I would get out of prison and I would have the intention to want to stay sober and to want to be in my children's life and to want to do better. But I would get out and I would fail. I would get out. I did five years one time, and I made it two months, and I was relapsed. But the whole time, I was in treatment, and I was reading self-help books, and I was doing all these things. I was trying to be the best that Nate could be in Nate's own power. And I would get out, and I would fail. And I'd get out, and I'd fail. And sometimes it's like that as Christians still. Maybe it's not drug addiction, but maybe it's just something that you're trying to overcome, like anger or depression or, or anxiety. Or you're trying to go to the gym. I need to go to the gym. <laughs> Conviction. No, I'm just kidding. But like, you know, it, it, it's like even as Christians, we can get into trying to fix ourselves so much, trying to overcome the sin that so easily entangles us, right? Trying to be better. Trying to not gossip or not slander or follow all the rules, right? And so in following all the rules in my own power, I would fail, and I'd fail, and I'd fail. And I'd even fail as a Christian. Well, I fell in love with a, she's my wife now, but she was my girlfriend then. Her name is Tracy. She's not here tonight. And we had a little boy named Little Nate, right? And Little Nate was one thing, he's just a different kid, you know? He's just a different kind of kid, and and. He really, I really fell in love with him. And when I seen him in the, what's the thing at the hospital? In the little thing, you know, when you're in the room? Yeah. What is it? I don't know, crib. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, everybody, crib. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the crib. <laughs> you know, they're in the little plastic thing. All right. I'm already taking way too long. If 20 minutes, you're going to have to just, everybody just go, hurry it up, Nate. Because once I start talking about Jesus, I can't really stop sometimes. So you just tell me, hey, 
Time to hurry it up, all right? I won't be offended. Okay, so I fell in love with her. Uh, I, was, I stayed sober for a year. We had the kid. I was, I was really trying to stay sober. I was going to meetings. I was doing what the world would tell you to do, and I would fail, and I'd fail, and I'd go in on violations, and I'd break my son's heart, and I'd break his heart, and I just, I wanted to change so bad for him and for myself, and I was sick of being broken, and I was sick of being lost, and I was sick of being angry, and I was sick of being suicidal and depressed, and it got really bad. Addiction got really bad. Me and Tracy were fighting every day. We were just chaos, it was just domestic situations. We weren't taking care of little Nate. We still had him at this time. We were fighting. Uh, she left me on New Year's Day. We were arguing, and she left me at a gas station, and I ended up jumping in a vehicle that was running at a gas station. And I was going to steal a car, and I was going to go back to the casino. Because among everything else I was addicted to, I was definitely addicted to gambling, too. And so I was to the, to the casino, and that's what we are arguing about, because I would continue to spend the rent money on gambling. And so I jumped in a car, and I spun off out of the parking lot, and I looked in the back seat of the car that was running in Malacca. It's a little town called Malacca. And there was an infant in the back seat. And so all of my life, I, I had this lie that I was only hurting myself. I'm only doing drugs. I never was like, had assaults or domestics or violence or anything on my record. It was all drug related, all self-harm or rob, like stealing from Home Depot or Walmart or things like that, right? But this time, there was a baby in the back seat. So I had that choice to make. I had that choice, like Holly's talking about. And I turned the car around, and I brought the car back because I was shook. I was terrified. And so I brought the car right back. I had the car. I was in the car for maybe, I don't know, three minutes or whatever. But so I ran, and they caught me. It was like literally January 1st. It was like 35 below zero in Malacca, and I had a baseball cap on, you know. And so I ran. They caught me, and they, they charged me with auto theft. Well, that was the least of all my charges that I've ever faced. But I was sitting in the holding cell of Malax County Jail, and I just knew I was back going on my third or fourth trip to prison, minus parole violations, probably like, if you count those, like sixth or seventh time going back into prison for drugs again. But this time, I was shook to the core by seeing that little infant in the back seat. And... In Lax County Jail, they, they have this thing where you can go to church to get out of the cell and you can get free coffee. While I was in there, they gave me a $250 bill, they, uh, bail. They, couldn't, they didn't charge me with kidnapping because they were just so thankful that I brought the car right back. And they gave me a break. So that was the first blessing that I ever received that I did not deserve. That was the first grace that I did not deserve that break from that police officer that day. And because I'd still be in prison today. Well... I had no money. I had a $250 bail, and I sat in there for months because I didn't have one person to call. I had lost everything. I had hurt Tracy. I hurt my son. All of my family had cut me off. I was done. They were sick of me. I was sick of me, and I feel like Jesus was sick of me. But in there, they had a program where if you went to this, so I had no money in there, just sandwiches every night. 
and they would give coffee if you went there. Well, I ended up going to church for the free coffee. Yeah. You never know how little of a thing it can be, right? How little of a thing. Well, I met this guy and I ended up getting saved. And then I went back to the, he led me to the Lord. And I had said the sinner's prayer a few times in my life, you know, and trying to get out of jail or, you know, jailhouse. If you get me out of this one, God, I swear I'll change my ways, right? I had those. That was my life. Well, I went into the shower and I had an encounter with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in that shower. Yeah. And it was a very emotional encounter. I was, I didn't deserve the love that he was showing me, but I always had this void, remember, in my life. And I, re, I went down on the floor in that dirty prison, jail, shower, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And for the first time, I felt the love of God. And it was like, yeah. And it changed my life. It changed my life. But yet, So I wrote this thing in jail, and I wrote this thing, and it was called My Awakening, right? I wrote this thing because I started to have encounters in these couple months of jail. Well, then they, let, they ended up letting me out of jail. And so I went to Casey's. I was still in the town of Malacca. Now it's just like March or whatever, April, and it's still kind of cold, and I still don't have a car, and I still don't have a ride, and I don't have a phone, and I don't have anybody call. I'm still stuck in this town. And so I'm walking. I walk to Casey's. Uh, I come out of Casey's. I don't know what to do. And this lady says, hey, is your name Nate? And I don't know anybody in this town. And I go, yeah. She goes, I was there that day. You took the car with the baby in it. And I was like, oh, you know, now I've been in jail for four months getting loved on by Jesus. So my first, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, you know, I'm sorry. And I was sorry. And I meant it for the first time in my life that I was sorry. And then she said, this is going to sound weird, but I was the guy whose car you took, he ran and jumped in my truck, and we chased you, but you were so crazy driving through the ditch because I was turning around, right? Crazy. I was scared. And she's, we, we went down the other road, but you were already back or whatever, right? And so they drove down this way. So she was like, this is going to sound weird, but I want to invite you to church right now. That's what she said. And so I go into this church, and here's the guy that leads me to the Lord. His name was Joe. Joe the plumber, he was a plumber, and, right, and he had free coffee, and so he led me to the Lord, and I started to have these radical encounters with Jesus in this, in the shower, I would, I would take four or five showers a day, because any, to get away from the noise in this dorm, you just had to run the water on your head, because it's so noisy in there all the time, and so that's where God would, would heal my heart, and he would speak to me, and he would, he would tell me that he's going to do something in my life, and that I do have value in my life. And I want to get that across tonight because we all have value. We might start off as dust. So, so I'm in that thing, and I, 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 I have this thing that says, my awakening, right? And the pastor of the church says, she's like, can I read that? And it's like, I don't know, this many people, 50, 60, 80 people, whatever. She's like, will you read this? After she, and I go, oh, you just read it. And she goes, no, from up there. And I go, no. 
like from the microphone, like it's all in there. Like I just stole the car with the baby in it in this town. I don't know. Like they're all going to know. They're all going to know that it was me. I'm sure they heard about it. Like every cop on the force from that town came that day. It was chaos, you know? And so she's, and then Joe, who the guy that he was teaching me about Jesus, he was kind of discipling me. I didn't understand what he was doing, but he was discipling me while I was in jail. He said, you're doing it. And I said, I smoked cigarettes at the time. I don't anymore. But I, I was like, I'm just going to give me a cigarette and I'll do it. And so I went outside. <laughs> I went outside. I smoked a cigarette with Joe. And he's like, yeah. And so I'm up there. And I'm reading this thing page for page. And it's pretty long. It's about my life and how I'm having encounters and what God's saying to me. And I stole the car and all this stuff. And then Tracy, who we're broke up at the time, walks in with my son. Joe. Yeah, why I'm up on the podium. So this was a glimpse now, and Joe had called them and set it up so she would walk in, and she just happened to be walking in when I'm standing on a stage with the microphone for the first time, right? And so I, I share that because in Jeremiah 1.5, and if you don't get anything out of what I say tonight, I want you to get this. It says, before I formed you, in the womb, before I formed you in your womb, in your mother's womb, I knew you. See, God knew me. He knows you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Before you were knit together, predestined, God had a plan and a purpose and a gifting that he put in your life. So we don't got it, have to have it all figured out. I got out of jail after a couple months and went right into the pulpit because I'm called to be in the pulpit. Because we're called to preach the gospel. And no man or no woman can stop it because what God says, God does. And he's put gifts in you. And I know that life can be hard. It can beat you down. It can be draining. And it's like, what is my gift, God? What is my gift? And it's that faith. The faith when that open door, your room, your gift will make room for you. So as you're out in the community, as you're in your church, as you're wherever you're going, in your family, like this is how it works for me. I'll be in the supermarket, a quick trip, because there's a quick trip everywhere, right? Gotta love. Hey, man, quick trip. <laughs> And they'll be like, I'll be like, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, just, my back hurts. My, I got a runny nose. I'm sick. Your gift is making room to be able to pour into that person and pray for healing, to encourage them, to uplift them. We all have the same gift. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he comes and he makes his home in us. And God told me that in Ezekiel, he puts a new spirit within you. And the best part is, is it says that he causes you to walk in his ways. I could never figure it out my whole life. I could never figure it out how to walk in his ways, how to get out of this addiction, how to surrender. The Christian life is a life of surrender. It's not that you have to become a preacher or a healing ministry or a worship leader. You already are it. These signs will follow those that believe you got to believe that what he's put in you, what God says, he means it. 
And it's an honor to serve Christ. It's an honor to be a servant, right? Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you've been striving. Maybe you're weighed down, trying to be more. And God is saying to be less so he can be more in us. Sometimes we just need to lay some things down at the altar. Sometimes we just need to let go and let love reign in our lives. So love can flow through us. So the lost and the broken world can experience the love of Christ. Just like Joe the plumber. He's just a plumber. He changed my whole life because he said yes. So whether it's business, whether you're a chiropractor, whether you're fitness, we're all called to something, right? Whether a clothing store. Five minutes, hurry up. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so if that's you tonight, I just want to pray for each and every person. Maybe, you, maybe you've never had someone tell you that God has put a gift inside of you. That he's forming Christ in you. We can just surrender at every given moment of the day and let Christ reign in us. Christ in us. It's no longer us that liveth, but Christ that liveth in us. And the world is dying, whether they believe it or not, that they need to experience the love of Jesus Christ in them. So they can see value and purpose and have a plan for their lives. So if that's you, I'm just going to open up this altar. And, and if you feel like you want to come and you'd be like, oh, I see this person over here. I think it's okay. Just come and pray for them. Just come and pray. Because it's not just all about one man or one woman with a microphone. It's about us. We have the mind of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Together. Knit together. So, Father, I just thank you. I just thank you for each and every person here. I just thank you for this opportunity, God, that you are moving in these people. And that, Father, that you... Even if they don't come forward, Father, I just thank you that you're removing the burdens because, Jesus, you said your burdens are light for your people and that you have come and made your home inside of us so we will be your people and you will be our God and we'll worship you and love you and you will cause us to walk in your ways because you're a good father and that's what a good fathers do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.